Let's jump in. Spirit, lead me. Today we're going to talk about uh, one of the functions that this Holy Spirit does in our life, and, and it's called regeneration or, or a rebirth in, in Christ. And so, but during the series, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and four things he does in our lives as he leads us. And so think about this thought, spirit lead me, spirit lead me. Question right off the bat today is what's leading you? What's leading you in life? The cool thing is you get to choose. You get to choose what's leading you, where it's leading you, how it's leading you. Um, Every single day we make choices to be a follower of something. And sometimes we we just, by default, whatever is in front of us, we follow. Sometimes we actually choose um, intentionally, with intention based on purpose. But there's a lot of people out there that know a lot of things. There's podcasts, there's books, there's a wealth of knowledge, there's life hacks, all kinds of good stuff. And guess what? I love it all. I mean, just yesterday I was uh, taking a run and I got podcasts in my ears and I'm just always trying to learn and always trying to sharpen the edge and, and, and get better. But nothing in your life can take the place of the Holy Spirit leading you. Nothing in your life can take the place of his leadership. But have you ever felt like just deep in your heart that you're being led in the wrong direction? Maybe life is, is going and you're making choices and you're like, man, this is not working out. Well, quite a few years ago now, back when we lived in Chicago uh, land, we lived out in the sticks outside of Chicago, but it was still considered Chicago land. And, and we took a trip with the young adults from our church and, and we, we, we drove to Aurora and got on the train and rode downtown having a great time. And so the goal was we're going to go downtown, we're going to ice skate in Millennium Park. Um, if you've ever been to the Bean, you know, right down from the Bean, there's an ice skating rink, and, and it's a great time. And so we ice skated, we had fun, we ate, um, and, and, and did all the things. It was great. And, but me and my wife, we already had kids at the t- that time, and so the plan was we were going to ride down with everybody, but there was another friend there that had a car um, that, that, that had driven down, and we're going to ride back with her because we don't want to, we, we might like to hang out with the young adults, but let's just be honest, we weren't young adults anymore, and uh, we need to go to bed, <laughs> and, and we had kids at home and all that, and so one of the, one of the girls that we were, we were close to, me and Jolie, um, uh, she, she had parked right underneath the ice skating rink. Now, just so you know, there's these two parks, Millennium Park, Grant Park in Chicago, that are huge. The, those two parks might take up as much space as downtown Cincinnati. I mean, it's, they're huge. And underneath the parks, there's levels and levels and levels of parking garages that go way down deep in the ground. Um, and it's, it's mind-blowing to think about how much parking is underneath those two parks. And so she's like, oh, yeah, I'm right down here. And so we go down, and, and we go to the spot where, we, where her car was supposed to be. And guess what? It wasn't there. And she's like, oh, I totally thought this is where we parked. And so three hours later, we are still walking through parking garages underground. We walked through every aisle of every floor of that parking garage that is huge. If you've ever been there, you know what I mean? It's just hard to imagine how big these parking garages are. And at, at, finally, after three hours, our friend who's walking with us, her, <laughs> she didn't wear the right shoes that day. Her feet are bleeding. 
It's like one in the morning. We're, and we're all at our wits end. And, and her name was Kat. And I'm like, Kat, you have to remember something. And, and I'm getting frustrated and kind of getting on her. And, um, and she's, she's at a loss now. She has no clue. And so I'm like, let's go upstairs. Let's go up to the park and just think about this one more time. We get up there and notice that there's another park right across the street that also has parking garages underneath it. And so lo and behold, we walk across the street, go down there, and there's her car. But I, I can't even tell you how frustrated I was, right? I'm kind of an old man when it comes to sleep. I like to go to bed at a good time. I, I'm, I'm, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock, and I'm, I'm, I'm toast. And so um, I was frustrated. I had just lost half an hour of sleep. It was going to take another, like, hour and 15 minutes to drive home. And then she's like, ugh. But we've all been there. We've all been in that place of frustration. And it's like, man, Kat, I was l- counting on you to lead me in the right direction. And sometimes in life, we get to this point where it's like, man, the, the purpose that I thought I should be pursuing or the, the, the life path that I should have been going after, I, I went that way and I followed it and I did all the things. I, I got my degree and I, I went down the path and I got the house and I, I got the stuff and, and I've got the spouse and I've got the life and I got the kids and, and there's still just this empty spot. There's this empty hole in my heart. You're frustrated because you put years and years into life and into chasing purpose and into chasing, you know, whatever it is there is to chase in life and still came up empty. At one point when Jesus was teaching the disciples, he was talking about the Pharisees and these were people that, you know, they did everything right on the outside. They were respected because they had such a high devotion to God's word and to doing the right thing all the time. But they had become so religious and, and so just caught up in, in, in really their own ambition and their own fame and their own respect, and it was all about them, really. That when Jesus talked about them, he said he called them blind people leading blind people. He said, and Jesus said in Matthew 15, 14, he said, if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And sometimes it feels that way in life. Like I, I followed this person or I followed this ideology or I followed this and, and I still came up empty. On the flip side, we see multiple times in God's word where we are challenged to be led by the spirit. Psalm 143.10 says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. Now, I don't know anybody that wouldn't want that. I don't know anybody that wouldn't want God's gracious spirit to take their hand and lead them through life. John 14, 16 through 17, Jesus himself said this. He said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. How cool is that? He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And so just from these couple verses, we see that, man, God's spirit wants to lead us. The Holy Spirit is a leader. And when we follow him, we can trust him to lead us into all truth. We can trust him to lead us forward on a firm footing. 
And in the theater of life, we're not going to be walking around in a garage under, underground for three hours, frustrated out of our minds. Now, does that mean that we're going to understand everything in life? Always no. But you'll know who's leading you, and you can trust him. He's going to lead you to the right place. And so many times in the New Testament, it says to live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, to be people that, that walk in the Spirit. It says that, that many people were led by the Spirit. Jesus was even led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert. And so we ask ourselves, how do I do that? It seems kind of, you know, ambiguous. Like, I, I, don't, I don't really know how to do that. What do I do? And if you've ever asked yourself that question, hey, you're in good company. Sometimes people don't know what to think when the subject of the Holy Spirit comes up. Maybe you've seen people do things or act certain ways in the name of the Holy Spirit that you didn't think were that holy or from God. You just thought that they were a little nuts, right? Maybe you came across some people who super spiritualize everything, like you're in the middle of a conversation with them and, and they're like, oh, wait, the Holy Spirit just told me I need to go to the bathroom. You know, there are, there are some, some people out there that just, they take it a little bit too far into over-spiritualizing everything. The Holy Spirit gave you a body that tells you when you need to go to the bathroom, right? And so it's important because of this, you know, tension to, it's important to have a biblical understanding instead of an experience-driven understanding. We've got to have a biblical understanding that guides our experiences instead of letting our experiences guide our understanding. Because sometimes our experiences line up with Scripture. Many times. And why does that happen? Because the Holy Spirit is that good. Because He's going to work in your life in spite of you, in spite of our understanding. He's, he's leading us. He's guiding us. He's drawing us. He's convicting us. He's, he's doing what only He can do in our life. And so sometimes our experiences line up with Scripture, and sometimes they don't. <laughs> Another reason that we really want to be, have a biblical understanding instead of an experience-driven understanding is because you don't want to miss out on anything that God has for you just because of something goofy that somebody else did or something that you misunderstood. None of us have arrived. All of us have more to learn. And so we want to dive deep into what God's Word says this month about the Holy Spirit and make sure that we have this, this posture of our heart that says, God, I want everything you have for me. I don't want to leave anything on the shelf. I don't want to live um, um, half of the Christian life maybe that, that you've called me to live. I want everything that you've ordained for me in your word. And so we're going to do our best to unpack who the Holy Spirit is and have open hearts as to how he leads us, empowers us, and helps us to live our lives for Jesus. This series won't be an all-exhaustive all study that's impossible in four weeks. It's probably not gonna answer every single question that you have, but it should give you a good foundation to grow on and to discuss in your life groups as you talk about it. And so let's start with a simple foundational question. Who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? I know as a, as a new believer or, or an unbeliever, it, when you hear all these different terms, it might be a little hard to understand. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, Jesus Christ, and then there's the Holy Spirit. And you're like, what's the deal with all three? Well, here, let me just try to break it down to just brass tacks as simply as I can. Something that's not that simple. The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. 
He's the third person of the Godhead or what people, you might hear people refer to as the Trinity. And so while God is one, and God is really clear about that in Scripture, you read the Ten Commandments, you know, we have one God. God is one. He, he has revealed himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so neither person in the Godhead or the Trinity exists or works separately or independently of the others. They are one and distinct all at the same time, which if you're anything like me, your head is already starting to hurt. It's like, how is it possible? And so when you talk about the Trinity uh, or God or how God is three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, it can be confusing, right? And people have tried to explain it over, over the centuries, over and over and over again. But the problem is analogies that kind of we can touch and see and hold, um, you, they usually break down. You know, some people try to explain the Holy Spirit as an egg, and you got the shell and the yolk and the, the white. And, and some people try to explain it as a triangle or, or water, ice, and steam. But the problem is that all of these just don't quite fit. The, the thought that God is one and three distinct persons all at the same time, right? It just does, it doesn't work in our heads. And so this is something when we think of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is something that we just have to acknowledge that we will only partially understand this side of eternity. And so when it comes to God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, we have to do a little bit different math because one plus one plus one equals one. Right? It's just different. You're, you know, it's, it's, we're probably not going to ever, and, and I, would, I would be a liar if I told you I get this whole thing figured out. So you can't have one without the other. The good news is, though, we can look at Scripture to see how the Holy Spirit interacts with us and what that relationship looks like. When you look at Scripture, you see that the Holy Spirit didn't just all of a sudden show up after Jesus left, right? You only have to get to verse 2 of the Bible before you see God's Spirit mentioned. Genesis 1-2, it says, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters the earth and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters and so verse 2 and already the spirit of God is at work throughout the Old Testament if you do a study you'll see that the Holy Spirit worked through certain people at certain times for certain purposes even through knuckleheads like Saul King Saul and Samson you know that just kind of were off the rockers sometimes even them the Holy Spirit worked through them and then Jesus comes. How does he come? He comes as a baby. We just celebrated a couple months ago at Christmas. Jesus comes as a baby. And listen to what the angels told Mary. Luke 1.35, the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And there's many verses that we could reference that just in this one verse, all three are mentioned. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The Most High God will overshadow you. And the baby that is in you will be called the Son of God, Jesus. Right? It's amazing. And so Jesus comes. He begins his ministry after he grows up around 30 years old. And he begins to talk of a new way. 
He begins to talk of how he's going to send the Holy Spirit how, and, and how the relationship between God and man, there's a change coming, right? And that brings us to today. You see, we live under a different agreement, a different covenant, a different uh, testament. There's the Old and the New Testaments in God's Word. And so we're, we live in New Testament times. Because in the Old Testament, they, they had things like priests and sacrifices, and they had a central place where God's presence dwelled. It dwelled in the tabernacle or the, the tent in the desert. Then it dealt, dwelled in the temple. And there was these curtains, like I talked about during worship, that separated the people from the presence of God. And they had to do certain things to make atonement for their sins each year. They had to follow strict religious laws and and. and like I said earlier, the Holy Spirit empowered certain people for certain purposes at certain times. Then Jesus comes along. And he starts to say things that just, to the people at the time, didn't make sense. And he says to a guy named Nicodemus that we're going to talk about here in a moment. He says, Nicodemus, you need to be reborn or born again. And maybe if you're new to the faith, you've heard that term and you've heard the, you've heard the term born again Christian. And, um, and you're like, what's that? Well, we're gonna talk about it a little bit. And so Jesus, he comes along and he, he says, you need to be born again. And in the same passage, he's how Jesus himself is gonna pay the penalty for our sins and how God sent him. And it's all because of God's love. And right in the middle of this shift, of this discussion, is the Holy Spirit. So we see the Holy Spirit in creation. We see him in the Old Testament. We see him at the immaculate conception of Jesus Christ and, and, and Mary. And now, God's plan for salvation for all man through Jesus. The Holy Spirit's right in the middle of it. And so let's look at Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. So first thing to note, it's after dark. It's after dark, why? Because Nicodemus doesn't want to be caught in the daytime saying the things that he's saying to Jesus. Because he comes to Jesus and acknowledges that God sent Jesus and there must be something to him because of all these signs and wonders that Jesus is doing. And Jesus drops this bomb in Nicodemus's lap and says, you must be born again. Nicodemus responds like most people would and he's like, how is that possible? And so the first thing that we're going to see is, as you could start to fill in your notes today, is that the Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual life. Let's unpack this. The Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual life. John 3, 3 through 8, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? So obviously Nicodemus was taking him very, very literally. He did not, even though he was a Pharisee, knew everything about the law, knew everything about, about uh, what you might call church life at that time, going to the synagogue, doing all the right things, he didn't understand Jesus' language. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can re reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. 
The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it, it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. You can't explain it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not a super smart guy, but it's kind of comfort, comforting when Jesus says, oh, you can't explain it, right? You can't explain it. And what does that give me the license to do? It, it gives me the license to just trust. It gives me the license to just say, okay, okay, Jesus, I'm just gonna trust you. And so sometimes, though, we react like Nicodemus when we start talking about spiritual things. We want it all to fit into a neat and tidy little box, but the truth is, when you yield your life to Jesus, a rebirth happens in your heart that you can't explain. Some of you have experienced this because you've said, Jesus, you can have it all. Here's my life. I, I, I want you to be my, not just my savior. I don't just want that get out of hell free card that, that you purchased for me on the cross. No, no, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my everything. And, and when we yield our lives to Jesus' lordship, something that is literally unexplainable happens in your heart and in your life. And the Holy Spirit gives you spiritual life. Gives you spiritual life. And it's really a simple faith. It's a trust. It's, it's belief. And it's, it's hard to explain how the Holy Spirit... How, God, how God's spirit transform your heart. And, and, and that's why we can, we can really just boil it down to, man, before I felt kind of dead, purposeless. I didn't know where I was going or, or who was leading me or, or, or what was going on. I was lost. And now I'm alive. I have a, a new perspective, a new vision about life. I see things differently. And, and you have this, this feeling of being born again. Because without purpose, I felt lost. And now I have a reason to live. The Bible is clear that before you met Christ, you were, it says you were dead in your transgressions. Not physically dead, spiritually dead. In your transgressions, in your sin, in the old way. In the way that you had been following and trusting and, and trying to figure it out all on your own, but it led you nowhere. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes along, and when you put your faith and your trust in Him, you're born again, new. <clears throat> Titus 3, 4 through 6 says it like this. When God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Another passage of Scripture where we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all working together to create a new life in you. And so this was a transition from the old way of just following the rules and just, and just doing the right things. And when you do X, Y, and Z, then you know everything's gonna work out right. This was a transition. This was way more about what Jesus did than what we do. 
And so this was a transition to having our sins atoned by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, right? And we just believe, we trust, we surrender. And it's only because of God's spirit that I'm able to learn more about God's heart every day as I submit to him. So before we move to the next point, I just wanna ask you, have you been born again? Have you submitted your life to Christ and experienced this transformation of the heart? Or are you stuck in, I'm going to church and I'm doing the right things and I'm, I'm, I'm checking everything off the list. Jesus comes on the scene and says, hey, it's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit different than just that. You gotta be born again. You need to trust Jesus with your life. You need to surrender your life to him. You need to believe that he died on the cross for you, that he rose again on the third day, and that, that all of that makes it worth living the rest of your life for him, right? The second thing that we see in scripture is that in this process of, of rebirth and regeneration and, and being born again, we see that the Holy Spirit makes his home in your heart. He gets all up close and personal. He comes in. He invades every space. Let's look at this. Romans 8, 11 says that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Underline that. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living in you. And so we're gonna unpack more of Romans chapter eight next week. But this is, this is a crucial thing to understand, that once we give our lives to Christ, once we say yes to Jesus, there's no more coming and going of God's spirit in our life. He is there, he is with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came, he is a physical representation of God with us, and then he sent his spirit to live inside of you. It's amazing, isn't it? it it's, it's mind-blowing. So many times, though, I, I, I feel that as believers in the church, many times we don't um, really live that way. We don't live as though he's, he's right here with us all the time. We, we have this coming and going mentality. I come to church and I come into God's presence here and then I leave and I go out and live the rest of my life. But as we see, that's not the model at all. The model is that he takes residence inside of you. And so everywhere you walk and everything you do, you have a constant companion that is the presence of God. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. And so it's our job to acknowledge him, to yield to him, to surrender to the Holy Spirit's leading in our life and not kick him out or ignore him, right? No, we gotta, we gotta know then he's right here with me all the time. In 1 Corinthians, Paul, he was, uh, he was rebuking the church and, and a lot of things that they were doing, and they, they, were, they were into some, some goofy stuff. And, and, and at one point, here's what he said to them in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. He said, because remember, they had been sinning. They had been doing some things they shouldn't be doing. And he said, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. 
so you must honor God with your body. Wow. That flies in the face of all kinds of stuff in our, in our society today, doesn't it? Because it's, it's not my body. It's not my life. My life has, has been bought with a price and surrendered to Jesus. And, and so anything that happens with me and my choices and my life and my body and my everything, man, I'm submitting that to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of this body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's temporary. This body's not gonna last, but for the time being, right? While I'm walking on this earth, I am carrying with me the presence of God because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. So the Holy Spirit steps in. The minute that we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit steps in, and guess what he starts doing? He starts convicting you. He probably did some of that before you met met Christ too. And he starts convicting you and he starts changing you and he starts transforming you and he starts cleaning house. Why? Because it's not just your house anymore, it's also his. Think about that. Think about that. This isn't just my house, this is his house. My heart, my life, my thoughts, my actions, everything that I'm doing, it belongs to him. And so the Holy Spirit comes in and starts just pointing things out. You know, some of you probably walked in the lobby this morning and you started, ooh, check out that couch. I like that. I'm going to sit in that sometime once those teenagers get out, get out of it. <laughs> right? And maybe, ooh, ooh, I like that rug. I'd put that in my house. Right? Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit walks into your life. Ooh, I don't like that couch. We're, we're going to put something better. The Holy Spirit walks into your life. Oh, I don't like those thoughts. We're going to think some better thoughts. The Holy Spirit walks into your life and says, oh no, I don't like that ideology because it's counter to God's word. We're gonna replace it with something that honors God, right? And all this happens because he's not an external thing, he's internal inside of you. And so he comes in changing, transforming, cleaning house. He's changing your wardrobe. He's And I'm not saying literally, like you don't have to go buy all new clothes once you get saved. But he's changing your wardrobe and you're not wearing the wardrobe of of shame and old identities and and no, now, now you're putting on the wardrobe of I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven. I'm I'm putting off the old things and I'm putting on the new things, and it's all possible because the Holy Spirit is living inside of me. That resurrection power, new life power, is unleashing resurrection power in my life. It's an amazing thing. The third thing that we see the Holy Spirit do in this regeneration process is that the Holy Spirit confirms that you're a part of God's family. Amen? He confirms that you're a part of God's family. And so the last point was kind of about the, the things that we do because he's with us, because he's with us. Think about the things, let me go back to that point real quick. Think about the things in your life that you might not do if Jesus was standing right there next to you. And then think about the fact that <laughs> he's not just standing next to you, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. He's with you in every choice. And so the, the, this next thing really has to do with identity, 
Identity. The Holy Spirit confirms that you're a part of God's family. Romans chapter 8, 14 through 16. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And so they're one and the same. Once I become a follower of Christ, now I'm, I'm going to submit to the Spirit's leading in my life. So you have not re- received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. I love this, this, this um, clarification. It's not that it's just like we're afraid of God and we're just doing whatever he says because we don't want to get smitten, right? It's not like that at all. We're not, we're not received a spirit that makes us fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now, we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And so what does this say? It says that there's a personal connection, that it's not that there's, that there's an identity shift, that it's no longer God way up there or way off or, or way, you know, just a God that I'm, I'm, I'm serving, but I can't really experience or see. No, he's right here. And not only that, he calls you his child. He brings you into the family. Jesus didn't die on a cross to confirm who you thought you were. He did it to adopt you into his family and show you who you were really meant to be. He's God, our father. And we're his kids. And so what does that infer? That infers a closeness, an acceptance, a love. And this says that, man, when we're a part of a family, our life has become whole again. Too many times I see people accept Christ but then it, 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 it seems like it takes years until they actually feel like they're a part of the family, right? Because we are basing that family feeling off of our physical relationships here in the building many times. And I just want to encourage you today that whether or not you've got a lot of friends in this place or whether you feel like your, your physical family has let you down or, or whether you feel disconnected or you feel like you don't have enough friends or, or any of that, Man, you can always rest in the fact that the Holy Spirit says you're a part of my family. That he's, that by his work in your life, you've been adopted into the family of God. Amen. Amen. When you're a part of a family, many times there's house rules, right? Your mom, anybody's mom have house rules, right? There's ways that we do things in, in the home and there's, there's ways that we don't do things in the home. And so when Jesus adopts you as one of your kids, there's gonna be that guidance and that direction because you're part of his family, because he lives inside of you, right? And so there's gonna be some adjustments that happen. And so where are you at today? Is it time for you to say, hey, Jesus, I want to be born again. I want to have a new life. I want to not be following after things that are going to lead me nowhere. And after um, years and years and years, I feel as lost as I did at the beginning. Is it time to allow the Holy Spirit to give you new life? And it's not, it's not um, complicated. 
it's just simply opening up your life to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I believe in you. The Bible says it's by, it's by grace through faith that you're saved. It's not anything that you do because, you know, then we'd all be boasting about it. It's the gift of God when you put your trust and your faith in Jesus. And so it's simply saying, Jesus, I believe in you, right? I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again on the third day, and I wanna follow you. I'm gonna, from here on out, I've decided to follow Jesus. And so if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, if you're ready to, to invite Jesus into your life today and to allow the Holy Spirit to do this work in your heart of being born again, of being regenerated, made new, for the Holy Spirit to do his creation work in your life and to create a spiritual life where there was once spiritual death. If that's you today and you say, I wanna, I wanna invite Jesus to do that in me today, just raise your hand, I wanna pray with you. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? says, I want to I wanna be born again. I want the Holy Spirit to adopt me into his own family. I want the Holy Spirit to take residence in my life. I want, I want to put my trust in Jesus, the one that purchased my freedom on the cross. Amen. I just want to pray for those that raised their hands today. Jesus, you see them. You know them. God, you see their desire to come towards you and to give their lives to you today. Meet them right where you're at, in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you, those of you that want to accept Christ today, you can pray a simple prayer in your hearts. And the Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. You'll be saved. Amen. And so you can pray a prayer doing just that right now. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me, that you rose again, and I want to I follow you with my life. Help me, Jesus, to learn your word, to obey your word, and to be led by your spirit. Amen. If you're here today, <clears throat> and you, you would say, hey, for the rest of this series and for this month, I just want to have an open heart, and I want to be I want to grow into be a person that is spirit-led, just like the New Testament encourages us to do over and over and over. I want to yield my life to the Spirit's leading. Maybe you were challenged by when we were talking about your body being the temple of the Holy Spirit and how Jesus is with you all the time through His Holy Spirit. He's with you all the time. And maybe there's some things that He needs to do in your heart and challenge. He's challenging you with and things that remodeling that needs to happen and things need to get out and some better things to come in any if any of those things challenge you today let's stand to our feet and let's just invite jesus to lead us and guide us during this series god help us lord help us god we lift up those those things in our life that we know that you're you're putting a spotlight on that need to leave so that you know you can have full reign so that you can have full lordship in our life and we yield to you. Spirit, lead us. Spirit, lead us. Regardless of how it feels or the, the, the difficulty of the choices that we might have to make as we follow you, we yield to you. We surrender to your leading.
Thank you, Jesus, that from the moment we put our trust in you, God, you began this, this process of, of leading us to be the people that you've called us to be. God, we thank you that at that moment, we were spiritually reborn and that you gave us purpose for life. God, I pray for anybody in here that maybe has, has at one point made that decision but lost that purpose. Maybe they've, they've gone astray and, and they've ignored you and they've, they've just, just kind of acted like you weren't there. God, I pray that for each of us that we can every day acknowledge you're right here with us. You're, you've made your home in our hearts if we've become followers of you. And you've got something to say. You've got things you want to do in our life. God, you've got somewhere that you want to lead us. And so help us to be sensitive to that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.